Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. Bless you. Let's give him a nice hand. Hi, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, just, uh, there's just, um, from when we were last here to when we are here this morning, there's just such a, um, an advancement, physically, but also spiritually. There's just an advancement. And um, th- th- this hall does something for me. I know you can't be here forever, but this hall does something for me in the sense of like a church. It, it feels like a church. It feels like an, there's a certain building in, in London that reminds me of this place. But, but um, it just feels, feels like a church. But that's not what I want to say to you this morning. I want to say this to you is that there's such a sweet smell of victory in the place this morning. There's a sweet smell of overcoming in this place, a victoriousness in Christ that, that um, yeah, if you want to ask God for something, this is the right place to, I know God, God doesn't live in buildings made with man's hands. I know that God lives inside of each one of us. But, but there is a corporate blessing when the body gets together in a certain building. And, and that atmosphere is so prevalent here this morning that if you need something, ask it. <laughs> there's, there's such a, a presence of God here this morning. So it's so great to be here this morning. And you've already taken one of my things. That the longer you spoke, I'm going, oh, infant die off on there. So I'm going to read that thing again because um, I, I had it. But before I read that, let me read this. This is an extract from one of Brendan Manning's books, The Ragamuffin Gospel. And this is, if you know his story, it's a man who had many contrasts in his life. He had, he had powerful word, powerful victory, powerful man of God, yet he was plagued with addiction to alcohol. He was plagued with things, and his life was up and down. But God never left this man. God was always with him, restoring him, bringing back. And so his life is a testimony of God's grace. And this is a quote from one of his books. It says, God loves you unconditionally as you are and not as you should be. God loves you unconditionally as you are And not as you should be, because nobody is as they should be. Do you get that? We've got the opinions of people in church that says we should be like this, should be like this. Or you have opinions of yourself that says I should be like that. And we're always trying to live up to these standards that we lay upon ourselves. But God loves you unconditionally as you are. And not as you should be, because nobody is as they should be. We're all in the continual process of growth, okay? Do you believe that the God of Jesus loves you beyond worthiness 
and unworthiness. Do you believe that the God of Jesus loves you beyond worthiness and unworthiness, beyond fidelity and infidelity? That he loves you in the morning sun and in the evening rain? That he loves you when your intellect denies it, your emotions refuse it, your whole being rejects it? Do you believe that God loves without condition or reservation and loves you this moment as you are and not as you should be? People are inclined to measure God's love by some worldly standard, by some man-made standard and say, that's how God should love or that's how God should not love. God is far greater than man and loves the entire world that he gave his only son. And so we, 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 that, 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 that perfect love, that, that love, you just got to read 1 Corinthians 13 to get a picture of that love. Hopes or covers or, you know, the agape of God is so much greater than man gives him credit for. And if you're really in a very quiet place, all by yourself, with nobody looking, and you talking to yourself about what you should be, and know that you can't make it to that level of should be without His grace, that's when you realize that, and the older I get, the longer I live, the more I realize that God's love never gives up, you know, never holds out on me, you know, climbs every mountain, you know, lights up every dark place, all those songs, that's God's awesome love to us. Amen? Amen. So, um, Henny quoted this, and let me see if I can find it quickly. I, I want to read it off the poster that somebody sent me with that same quote on it. Um, and I need you to ponder this this morning. We're already in the very, I'm going to add some word, the very presence of God. In fact, continually, every moment, every day, in the bathroom, shall I say it? Yeah. On the toilet, <laughs> um, in your birthday suit, Wherever God is present. It says, God, you are already in the presence of God. He said, what's absent is awareness. So, what happens when you're aware? This is an aware moment. Not an aware moment, an aware moment. <laughs> this is an aware moment. This is, we, we focused this morning, we came in and we turned our attention towards God. And what happens when we turn our attention towards God, He shows up. He's in that moment. But He was in every moment, it was just your awareness that changed. Because the moment you're, 
you, you go out on a run, you go ride your bike, you go away for the weekend, you end up sitting on a mountaintop somewhere looking over the scenery, and you pause to look at creation for a moment, and what happens? Kuding. You become aware of the Creator. But He was there all the time. What, what changed was just your awareness. So the fact is that He is not only always present, but He's always indwelling. You are the temple. What, what happens is when you turn inwardly in meditation to that moment of awareness, He is present in your life speaking, prophesying, directing, giving you wisdom. It's all about awareness. So the challenge that you and I face is the lifestyle we lead. Daily, we are running. We are rushing. We are going from point A to point B. That's why quiet time is such a luxury that if you actually do it, and concentrate on it, what happens? God shows up, because He's always present. But your awareness changes, so He's there. So in the lifestyle that we lead, it's very difficult sometimes to actually focus on and be aware of what God is saying and what God is doing. But if we do it, we'll find Him speaking. We'll find Him Reacting, we'll find him giving direction. Okay, so they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. That scripture has been coming over and over and over again for the last probably month, maybe more, continually. People visiting, people phoning, people messaging messages of, you know, it just keeps on coming. They will, the, the young men will get tired, the old men get weary, everybody's weary, everybody's burnt out, everybody's running. He said, but they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. And an eagle's lifestyle is to fly above the storm absolutely effortlessly. In fact, the storm is a course. The storm is his food. It's his necessary being. He stretches his wings out and he uses the wind and the thermals to take him higher. And so when the storm is brewing, he gets up way above the storm. Have you noticed? You get on a plane at Cape Town International and it's overcast and dreary and wet and you think the sun's never going to shine again. Come on, there's a couple of smiles now. Please, Lord, will the summer now come? Cape Town's had enough rain. I'm just being honest. And the plane goes, and runs through the little bit of shakiness as it goes through the storm clouds, and then, boing! You go, oops, where did you come from? There the sun's shining, being there all the time. Doesn't matter what's going on, the sun's there. Bing! Sunlight. Wow, isn't this cool? Lovely sunshine, white, flossy clouds, and you kick back and relax and 
check it all out. God's always there. The sun is always shining. And so what Henny was saying this morning, I just got to reiterate, is that there's a thing going on right now, and it's going to sound paradoxical, but it's intentional. I want you to hear. Expect the unexpected. What do you mean that? God is going to show up, but maybe not at all the way you wanted him to. Not at all the way you were expecting it. In fact, the problem with the Jesus time church was the Pharisees knew the scriptures according to their interpretation, and they were prepared to lay their head on a block and lay their lives on the line. We believe it's going to happen this way, and don't tell us anything different. That's the way it's going to be. And then he showed up totally different. And I'm speaking to the church right now. The, 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 the next move of God, I believe, is going to be a worldwide revival with the glory filling the earth as the waters cover the sea. I believe it with my whole heart. The church isn't finished yet. We're not going home yet. We're not leaving by the back door with a white flag flying and saying, we surrender, let's get the hell out of here. No, the church is going to stand up and march and we're going to show the world what it looks like to be in revival. Souls being saved by the hundreds of thousands, millions, people being healed of all kinds of sicknesses and disease, including excluding da-da-da. Everything that you thought possible and impossible, God is about to do in such a way that it's going to set every intellectual questioning the way he believed it to be because God's not going to do it and I've got nothing against intellectualism but God's got nothing to do with the way that carnal man thinks God's got everything to do with the way the Spirit moves. Amen? Amen? Are you with me? So I believe that we need to expect God in an unexpected way. And I love the fact, and I, 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 you just notice I am just talking, I've got pages and pages of stuff, but I just want to hear what the Spirit's going to say to you this morning. If you're going to prophesy, then that's it. If I'm going to say something, that's it. But I just want the Spirit to move this morning. I love the fact that Salome read that scripture. Because I'm so, so over it of hearing, forgive me, if I'm going to stand on your toes now, forgive me in advance. I'm so over it, over it, over it of the conspiracy theories that include a triple six, a mark of the beast. Can I tell you a joke? I'll tell you a joke. There's this very, it's not, it's not actually a joke. It's, it's like, a, it's like a, a true story. This guy is like a, he's like a comic. He's very comical and he's like in people's face. So he went to see some people and he said, you know what? I went down to the clinic where they were injecting people. He said, and I got a front row seat. I got right up close. He said, and I watched the sister put the needle in. He said, and I'm convinced that needle is really way too thin to put a chip through it. <laughs> he said, but then I hung around a little bit longer. 
to those people they put in the one side to check that they were right. He said, and I watched them very carefully, and he said, I did not see anybody grow horns. <laughs> okay, it's just my weird sense of humor this morning. But, so, Father God, we thank you this morning for your goodness, your mercy, and your grace. We thank you that you are always with us, that you are here right now. Ah, thank you for your word that will never return void. Thank you that the highest authority in us and around us is Holy Spirit and word. And the speaking of that word under the power and the anointing of the Spirit is what brings life brings change, brings healing, brings renewal. Thank you, Father, for speaking to us and into us this morning by your Spirit through your awesome Word. Father, may not one person leave here the same. May you give us insight and wisdom because of you loving us, our rock, our awesome eternal foundation in Christ. Thank you this morning for life itself, for breath itself, for every breath I breathe is God-given, and I thank you for it this morning. In Jesus' name, blessed, blessed, blessed. Amen. I love your offering. I love your offering. I learned something this morning. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to make it my own. I'm going to take it, even though Henny said it. No. Um, uh, did you hear what he said? That when the Roman centurion came to put the nail in the body of Jesus, whether it be his feet or his hands, because she just went it down on him. And he said, forever, whenever the gospel is preached, this woman will be remembered. And when he put the nail there, the aroma was there. And Paul says, when he receives in prison, much later, an offering from the Macedonians, Paul says, I received from you again, from you, an offering. He said, a sweet-smelling savor unto God. Yeah! Any man! Yo! That was awesome. Good, good, good stuff. Okay, so... Psalm 120 to 134, 15 about psalms, are all about the psalms or songs of ascent. Ascent, meaning going up woo, to high places. I see you. All right. I'm so pleased I'm not in Inge Church right now. I've got a few times I've got a few and it doesn't work. I feel not far to far from the people up. I come down a couple of steps. The first time it was very intimidating preaching in the Grasdak Kerk in the Perl. And I'm marrying this couple and it's like I'm there by total force because the dad was like one of the top guys in the church board and his daughter-in-law wanted me to marry them and he loves his daughter-in-law so he actually forced his hand with the church board and said if you don't allow this pastor to marry this couple from this church I'm leaving I, I only found this out 20 years later okay 
and, and so I'm there politically incorrect and I'm sitting in the pulpit and, and the pulpit in that church is in the shape of a boat. The pulpit is the bow of a boat. Historically famous church, beautiful church. It's such an awesome church. And now I'm sitting there on this side cushion of the boat in the church. And there's like buttons. And I'm going, hmm. I don't know what they're for. They're not numbered. They're not labeled. But my weird imagination and sense of humor says, I wonder if I push one of these, if I'm going to eject somebody like James Bond. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. I'll, I'll get back. So why am I telling you the story? I don't know. I can't remember. Um, mm, 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 thank you. I know you're listening now. <laughs> so so I'm, 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 I'm sitting in the bow of the boat, preaching this message to these people, and it was really intimidating. Because I, 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 I was like, not used to this whole setup. I'll get back to the story now. I don't know why I went that way, but maybe it wasn't, wasn't meant for it. Okay, so the, the, the stairs of ascent, the steps, the going up higher, those 15 songs or psalms are written for the people on pilgrimage to Jerusalem. When they went up to worship for the feasts, as they journeyed in their walk up the mountainside, they sang these songs. And these songs are directed at lifting God in the process of lifting it higher of raising him up to being God of everything. So here's the song, 121. I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where shall my help come from? My help comes from the God who created heaven and earth. Very specific God. <laughs> there is only one that did that. The God who created heaven and earth, he said, he is the one that will help. He's the one. There's a story that goes along with it. Legend says that at the time of David, there was high places on every single one of those hills to other gods. So when David says, I lift my eyes up to the hills, my help is not going to come from any of the idols that they are worshiping. My help comes from the God that's so far above that, he created even the heavens and the earth, and it's all within him. He, and so those songs are a lifting up awareness a climbing of steps and ascending, and our worship should be ascending. Our worship should take us out of the natural and lift us into the supernatural. And I started with Salome. I was saying, I'm so glad she chose that song this morning and read that, that, that piece because it says there, 
the same book that everybody's now quoting triple six from and the beast and everything contains things like, and there was a book found in heaven and no one was able to open it and I was weeping and the angel said, do not weep for someone has been found that is worthy to open the book and to break the seals. And the lamb slain from before the foundation. Worthy is the lamb. I, I just asked the question, why is there not more spoken if people want to quote Revelation? Why is there not more spoken about the blood of the lamb and the mark of the sun in the forehead of the children of God and the victoriousness of Jesus who opens the Lamb's book of life wherein your names are written. I'm just asking a question this morning. Why is there not more spoken about the victoriousness of Jesus and the accumulation and the culmination of all things in the cross? So, the songs of ascent, the climbing higher in Him. And um, we, we, might, we might come back to that. I want you to go with me this morning to Matthew 16. Okay, so yeah, what I wanted to say quickly with all of that going around in circles this morning, I believe the major thing that we need to watch out for right now is distraction. Henny quoted something when I spoke to him outside. He said, Paul warns us against getting involved in debates or fights or arguments about fables. The church is divided right down the middle right now. When I say the church, the body of Christ seems to be divided right down the middle about an issue between should I be vaccinated or shouldn't I be vaccinated and everything else around about COVID when it's got nothing to do with the issue of eternal life and the mission and the assignment that you and I have been given is to go and make disciples of all the nations, preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ as far as we go. Discipleship is an absolute criteria right now, for there are millions of people unsaved out there. And the thing is, we're being distracted by a sidebar issue that will pass. You can write me down, and you can write to me when it does pass and say, you said on the 2nd of October or whatever the date is today, that it will pass. I didn't believe you that morning, but it has passed. And the new normal will be a church that decided to follow God for who He is in the love that Henny and Salome were talking about, that that God reigns forever. 
And the Song of Ascents brought me to a position is when I looked at it again, I realized that as I raise him up to the true position of where he is and who he is, I start finding him seated in heavenly places and me seated with him and everything in control and he is on my side and never changes side. He rules and reigns right now. How lovely are the feet of him who brings the good news on every mountain. And then it says what that good news is. Our God reigns. He will not abdicate. He will not fall off his throne. He will not pass away. He's going nowhere. He will reign forever. His name is King of kings and Lord of lords. He is supreme God. He is creator God. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's all those things. And there is no God that can be in comparison to him. And I want to appeal to you this morning in what Steve said and what was said here in this morning is that come to the place of handing over. Come to the place of true surrender. you battling with the problem. The problem is we're like people that take a watch to a watchmaker. We hand it in. We walk halfway to the door. We run back. We say, can you just have a look at that watch again? Maybe if I shake it a bit, it'll work. And we shake it a bit and we look and it's not where we say, okay, I'll leave it with you. And then we go out the door. We get to the car and we realize, hang on, I didn't check the winder. And so we go back and we take it out of the hand of the watchmaker and we wind it a bit. And it's still not working. And we give it back to him and we go into the car. We drive two blocks. We turn around. We go back to the watchmaker. We take it out and say, you know what? I remember something. My uncle said, if you knock it on the back. <laughs> and we look like this guy going up and down, taking the watch out of the hand of the watchmaker, but never leaving it with him. And the situation is we've got to get to the place where we trust him enough. We trust his love enough. To leave the problem with him. When we get to that place where we leave the problem with him, that trust I'm talking about, and I'm guilty as much as you maybe are, maybe even worse, of doubting, going back, checking. But it's all a love question. And when I get to the place where I know that he loves me more than I love myself, because self wants to take care of self. But if I get to the place where the trust goes to a place where I realize he loves me more than I love myself. He wants me to succeed. Hey, he wants you healed more than you want yourself to be healed this morning. He wants you broken through more than you want to be broken through this morning. <laughs> We've been battling for a long time, for months now, maybe even a year plus. Me and her on a financial basis, personally, not the church, just the two of us. Got a lot of responsibility, a lot of family. We're taking care of lots of stuff. We've been battling financially. And then we make it and then we don't. Then we make it and we don't. And it's like it's going up and down, up and down. And it's like not the norm for us. It's like, Lord, what is going on? And you summed it up so much, you know. She is the voice in my head. 
She's also the foot in my backside. She's like, <laughs> she's like the, 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 and like she prays, like she gets praying, man, and I tell you what, I get scared. Say skop my, say skop my aan die brand, say nie fysisch nie, maar amper fysisch. You know, she's like, she's in my face. Kom nou, jy moet nie so negatief wees nie. Ek sê, moet jy verstaan nie, ek voel negatief. Ze zei, ik ga niet om je voel niet, je moet oorvoel. Something like that. I can't actually. She's very black and white, very straight from the shoulder, very. And she started praying, and suddenly she had this vision. And she saw a baboon like figure sitting like what was on a dustbin lid. But it wasn't a dustbin lid, it was the lid to our supply. And it was like he was sitting like this. And he kept pushing the lid down and looking, pushing the lid down and looking. And she said, you foul spirit, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. I cut your head off in the name of Jesus. Get off the lid. And we prayed it and we agreed and it just seemed like it was that. Seemed like all the other prayers we've been praying for the last six months. It sounded like a good prayer, and I felt like, you know. But I didn't see anything immediately. Wave if you've been there. And all of a sudden, things just took a turn. Out of the blue, somebody sends us 10,000 rand personally, a family member. We phoned him up, we said, thank you very much. It was like this. I was standing at a funeral, and I was on the platform, and I was getting my books and stuff ready, and I opened my phone, and my phone opened on my banking app. And I thought, that's strange. And I looked, and not everybody was seated yet, and I looked at my watch, and it was five minutes. I thought, well, maybe this is like one of those quibus moments. Let me go into my account. So I went, and I went... Before I went in, I went like transfer the funds, you know, like eh. <laughs> only works for guys like Quibus. And I went, and there was a balance of 400 Rand, and the guys that take money off my account had taken the 10,000, and there was change. And I went, that's not possible. And I went, like five minutes before the deduction was supposed to go off, the 10,000 hit the account with change. So 10,300 went off, and I had 400 rand change. I went, wow. I ran down to who? What's everybody, you know, like this? they're still filling the. I said, check here. She said, what happened? I said, so and so send us money. Like it was like a small amount plus the 10,000, which amounted to the 10,3 going off and 400 rands worth of change. And all of it was like five minutes before. So thank you, Lord, because I'd been like in a panic for weeks. But God. And then somebody came out of the blue. That was like the Friday afternoon, the funeral. I'm sitting exonder af for cake. Saturday 
aan. Dit is wat pastoren doen. Nou, oké, okay, anyway. En <laughs> I'm busy, and I go, I get a phone call at 10.30 at night, and I think, oh, this can't be good. Answer the phone. So it's the lady's number. I say, is there a problem? She said, the man's voice, the husband says, no, I just wanted to speak to you about something that your wife's collecting. And I said, well, speak to her. Let me take you the phone. He said, no, no, but I want to speak to you first. He said, we're going to be transferring 100,000 into your account. I don't think I've had 100,000 transferred in my account ever. <laughs> by a single person, 100,000 into my account. I said, what? They said, no, we just felt that we just want to bless you guys. That's on a Saturday night at 10.30. We go to church Sunday morning. I, I'm telling you this for the simple reason I believe some people need to hear this this morning as a, as a kickstart, as an exciter, as a Holy Spirit, faith move. If it can do it for me, he can do it for you because he has no favorites. We take your cousin to lunch after church. They come and visit us out of the blue. They try and surprise us, but we know they're there. They come <laughs> and we go to lunch and afterwards she says to me, while Albie's in the bathroom, she says, on the way to church something really strange happened. I said, what? She said, God spoke to me like in a hearable voice and said, I have to bless you guys. I said, whoa, stop a minute. Because the prayer time just before the baboon's head got cut off, or just, it was an old prayer. She turned around and said, and Lord, if you want to, we've never prayed this in our life and never admitted to praying this in our life. This is the first time. She said, and Lord, if you want to use my cousin." When they come to visit, use her. I said, stop. Wait until she comes back from the toilet. So she tells a story. So I said, and, and. She said, I'm not going to tell her what I prayed. I said, and I'll tell her what you prayed. I said, this is, I said, no pressure. This is what Albie prayed. She bursts into tears and says, I knew God was speaking to me, but I needed the confirmation. Now I know God still uses me and still talks to me. She put 50,000 rand in our account. And I thought, can, can, I, can, I, can, I just, can I just add this? Can I just add this? The guy who promised us the 100 said, so that you can go to bed with a good heart tonight. I'm transferring 10 now, but the 90 is coming. Now, you don't know pastors' lives. Let me tell you something. People come, people phone me up. People phone me up in my life and said to me, God laid on my heart. Okay, hang on. This is how it worked. I get a telephone call from a garage. A certain person phoned us up. You have to come to the garage and pick your car on the floor. My car was bust. I didn't have wheels. I've got to come and pick my car up on the floor. I thought, can this really be happening? So I go to the second hand, or the, what, not the second hand, what do they call it? The used, pre-owned, the, the, it's Mercedes Benz, guys. He said, go to the Mercedes garage. I go to the Mercedes garage, I say, 
I'm supposed to, no, sir, we don't have a Gerard working here. I said, well, I got a call from a Gerard to come and pick my car. Maybe at the, here, here's how we demote ourselves. Maybe at the new cars. This is the pre-owned, guaranteed you. May, I demoted myself immediately because I didn't think God could give me a new car. So I go to the new garage. Here's the thing. I go to the new garage. I walk in, the guy said, it's me. He said, somebody phoned and he starts explaining and I'm going, hmm, this doesn't kind of gel. This guy's telling me to pick a car on the floor, but I don't know whether this guy's got the money. But I'll go along with the game in any case because I'm now in faith. I said to the guy, have you got a white one? Listen, I'm telling you this for, tell you, maybe you need to hear this so that you know how God works. I said, have you got a white one? He said, yeah, but they're not on this floor, but they classified as being on the floor. They're outside. I go and there are two of them standing here again. Look at my mindset. Poverty mentality. I stand in front of the two of them. I said, yeah, they're both beautiful white ones standing. One's got the badge on the nose. Other one's got, you know, like elegance versus ambient versus whatever. The other one's got the big badge. I like the big badge one. I said, I like that one and the wheels. What's the, oh, there's about a 35,000 G price difference. That's the more expensive one. I said, listen, don't tell the guy I like that one. Just tell the guy I like this one. Whatever he wants to do, I, I, you see, I never got into it. I never took it for a test drive. I was in doubt in my mind. I went home. The guy had sort of like done a faith move on my behalf. Never mind that. I didn't get the car. It was something he wanted to like let me do a faith move. It was the way he thought about it. So years later, I buy a white Mercedes with that badge and those wheels. I buy a golden one, and the golden one happens to have been an accident. I take it back to the garage, show them the damage. They refund me and give me another car. I buy a white one. But this is what God said to me before that all took place. After I'd been to the garage, never taken the drive, he said to me, you didn't even have the faith to sit in the car or to take it for a drive. You could not see yourself owning a Mercedes. Until you can see yourself owning a Mercedes, guess what? I realized there's something about that that you need to do to be able to get there. Change your opinion, change your expectancy, expect the unexpected. So when this guy said the 90 is following, I said, hmm, I've been there. Get excited about 100,000 and only end up with 10. When the lady gave us the 50 at lunchtime, I said, well, this is the 50 plus the 10 is 60. It's just 40 <laughs> short of the 100. So maybe this was God's backup plan for me not to lose everything. Hey, guess what? Thursday of that next week, the 90 landed. And that put us in six months with the backlog brought 
up to date in one day and enabled us to do other things. We're facing a move. My mother-in-law's ill. There's a couple of things. There was a lot of finance needed. God knew and supplied it up front because he's a faithful father. And so I'm telling you that just to reassure you this morning, I've opened my own financial situation, my own doubts, my own fears, to tell you that there's nothing impossible for God. I saw him bump you, so it's not a Holy Spirit thing. <laughs> but when he bumped you, I have to tell you, God can do the impossible. And I can see the effect it's having on you right now, meaning I had to tell the story so that you could hear it. Maybe you're not the, you're not the only one that needed to hear it this morning. Are we, are, we, are we all right for Matthew 16? <laughs> it's going to be a very short message, so are you ready for it? Verse 13, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Say this, say others' opinions. And they said, some say, say some say. Thou art John the Baptist, and some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Indecision, mass media, all sorts of opinions. He saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? Very important. Excuse me, that you do not work on others' opinions, but you work on a personal relationship of revelation in your own life. God has got to become something real to you. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Say, so that's the important thing. I have to know that He is Christ, Son of the living God. Not all the other sidebar issues. I have to know him, who he is, and know him on a personal relationship basis. Hmm. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon, bar Jonah, meaning son of Jonah. Bar means he was older than 12 years old. He had had a bar mitzvah and therefore was his father's recognized mature son. Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee. So he quotes who he is from earthly existence. He says, you are Simon, son of Jonah in this realm. 
But this relationship between you and your dad did not reveal to you who I am. My father who is in heaven. Listen, he said, but my father which is in another realm, in an above realm, he has revealed it to you. I say unto thee, thou art Peter. So he changes his name from Simon to Peter. From Simon to Petros, meaning a little rock. Thou art Simon, uh, uh, no, no, sorry, he said, thou, uh, Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Flesh and blood does not inherit the kingdom. The kingdom is spirit. The woman at the well, he says to her, the time is coming and now he brings a watershed moment into the moment, he says, and now is for this woman who was married five times and he's staying with a man who says, where shall I worship? Though he knows everything about it, there's no condemnation. He says, the time is coming, and now is, that true worshipers will worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. For God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit. So my total relationship is a spirit-filled thing from, and not God coming down on me with the wings of a dove from the outside, but God flowing through me like the waters of a river. As I took over this morning, I heard, according to what Henny said, according to what Salome said, according to what's going on here this morning, and in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord where? In the Spirit, high, and lifted up high places, song of ascent, High, high, high above my circumstances, high above everything, in victory. I saw the Lord, and He's trained for the temple, and He's sitting on the throne, revelation in the spirit of who my God is, who I can trust, who's in charge of everything, who will take care of me, who will never leave me, never forsake me, who is my healer, who is my strength, who is my provision, who is my provider. In that moment of spiritual revelation, I see Him seated, in heavenly places. I saw the Lord and the angels flying about him every second of every day in every moment saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Huh? It's not a quiet place. It's not a quiet place. said, God loves noise. God loves song. God loves music. She said, as we were singing this morning, she said, every battle that was fought, Jehoshaphat sends the singers out ahead um, uh, uh, God in the throne room in Revelation has got angels and million upon million singing worship. The reigning, ruling God in the spirit. The kingdom is a spiritual thing. It's from inside. He said streams of living Water will flow from you. I'm not a new ager, but you know what? 
wind, fire, water. We know that in the natural, those are three of the most powerful elements in creation. But God uses all three of them in connection with description to who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is a river flowing from you. The Holy Spirit is a wind blowing about you. The Holy Spirit is a fire coming in and upon you. That wind water fire of the Holy Ghost is what the church needs right now to be exploding from Him. We need Holy Ghost services. We need to stand still for a moment and say, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. Did He come? Yes, He has come. But He's present. But are you aware? The awareness of him brings him. He is here. He is in. But the awareness. <sighs> Turning inwardly. Meditation. Waiting upon the Lord. Seeking him in his highness. and his high upness. Seeing myself connected to him. Sitting in heavenly places. I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live. No more self. No more. But the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Meditation, meditation. Rabushin, singing. You can sing with the understanding. You can sing in the Spirit. You can pray with the understanding. You can pray in the Spirit. When I pray in the Spirit, I'm praying groanings that cannot be uttered. We do not know what we should pray, but when we pray, we pray mysteries, for the Spirit knows what to pray. On our behalf, the sonship that must appear, the, the, the sons of God that must operate in the earth are going to come by the operation of the Holy Ghost, showing us in and whom and through we are, that the mighty rushing wind will blow away every wind of doctrine that is not God, that the rushing streams of the river of God will wash away everything that's in the way of what God's about to do, and the revival that's coming will settle every unsettling argument and bring us to a place where we cannot argue. When they saw them standing there, at, and they saw the man who had been born lame standing with them, and they realized that these were ignorant men, but recognized that they had been with Jesus. And the man who had been born lame, they had no argument. <laughs> Say this with me as I close. Say constantly being revealed. Not a one song. A constant revealing. Daily, constantly being revealed. I'm not going to read it. You can go and read it yourself. If you go and read Isaiah 20. What is it? Isaiah 25, 7, 8 came across my phone this week. As I read it, I was amazed that it says there's a veil in Isaiah that covers the nations. He said, but in one moment, this veil will be taken away. 
And then the next verse says, and death shall be conquered and will have no more victory. Isaiah, way back there, prophesying on one day. Everything that takes place in the Bible takes, on top, takes place on a mountaintop. Moses gets the law on the top of a mountaintop. Go and look. Every time there's a happening, everybody's in, in meditation somewhere on a mountaintop. They're busy worshiping on a mountaintop. And then Jesus comes. He reveals the coming kingdom to three guys, Peter, James, and John. While he prays, he transfigures. And Moses and Elijah, the law and the prophets, come to experience the culmination of it all in Jesus. And they experience him on a mountaintop. And then he goes to a cross on a mountaintop. And he conquers death on a hill far away. Stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. That's where he took your sin, my sin, your sickness, my sickness, your defeat, my defeat, our addictions, our problems, everything taken on that cross. It is finished. The battle is over. There will be no more war. The end of a conflict. The conflict is not ended when he comes again. The conflict has ended. He said, come and sit on my right hand on a throne until I have made all your enemies your footstool. And the last enemy is death, but he's already conquered death. So he's waiting for us to start living up to a thing where the spirit of life flows in and out and through us until we start overcoming everything around us. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstellenbosch.co.za.